podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters of spooky Bosco boys. Boom, boom, the boys are back, and it is time for our Q&A episode following up the big win for K-State over Texas Tech, and I think on Tuesdays, as long as it's accurate, I'm going to have a little rendition of, we're top of the 12, we're having a laugh, top of the 12, and we're having a laugh. Top of the 12 and we're having a laugh. Top of the 12 and we're having a laugh. That's right, your K-State Wildcats are currently sitting at the top of the Big 12 standings. I absolutely love it. And by God, we have a big one on Saturday to stay at the top of the Big 12. Everyone has their wheat in their Twitter names. It's glorious. It truly is Farmageddon Week. I can't wait for Saturday. This show obviously is helping me get through. Oh, man. Get through the long week. But know what also helps me get through the long weeks? Nice, cold, refreshing beers from Manhattan Brewing Company. Right after I finish up this Q&A episode, I'm going to crack open... A cold pumpkin batch. I'm going to watch some Monday Night Football. I'm going to be cruising Twitter. Message boards getting ready for Saturday. Because I can't get enough of the cats and I can't get enough of Manhattan Brewing Company. With all the great fall seasonal beers, all the great IPAs, all the great refreshing beers at Manhattan Brewing Company. You need to go in, get it straight from the source, the freshest beer in the entire state of Kansas. And... Pester every single liquor store in this great state until they have Manhattan Brewing in their craft beer selection. I love Manhattan Brewing Company, and I think you guys should too. All right, let's get into it. After every single game all season long, we are going to have uh, a Q&A episode on Tuesdays. The only time it might get a little dicey is if there's uh, some big-time basketball breaking news. But we're always going to try to get your guys' questions in. First one from Kale05. He asks, is Ben Sennett our most reliable slash best receiver? I'm actually going to go with Cade Warner on this one. Now, I think Malik Knowles is the best wide receiver. I think when it's all said and done, based on usage, I think when the season's done... Phillip Brooks is probably going to have the stats. Uh, Ben Sennett had a massive game versus Oklahoma. But I think that Cade Warner is our most reliable receiver. I think he is the security blanket for Adrian Martinez. 
best receiver, again, talent-wise, it's Malik Knowles. We saw it versus Oklahoma, and he made a great play in his one catch versus Texas Tech. Hopefully we see some big plays from him in our versus Iowa State. Uh, I think he's the best, but I think currently the most reliable is Cade Warner. I would like to see some Malik Knowles, you know, jet sweeps. I'd like to see some Malik Knowles, you know, that little touch pass uh, instead of the jet sweep out of shotgun. I'd like to get creative uh, getting Malik Knowles the ball. And I, I wouldn't even mind seeing him, you know, in the backfield, taking a, you know, a, you know, a fast handoff or being involved in like a, you know, a triple option type setup. Uh, I, again, that type of stuff gets weird when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn. Uh, you know, you're not going to be handing off the ball to your wide receivers a ton when you have Deuce Vaughn. But I think Malik Knowles is good enough and has a talent set that I would like to see us maybe go for it a couple times. Um, the next one, uh, T Designer. How are the uh, wide receivers uh, in the secondary all, all the time? Man. I think he's asking how wide receivers are open in the secondary when we're only rushing three linemen. Uh, so I think he w- had some frustration with that. Uh, here's the thing. We're very rarely only rushing three. We are very rarely, especially in obvious passing situations, only rushing three. Uh, we saw, I mean, Khalid Duke was got three sacks from a linebacker position. Um, we, we saw some secondary blitzes. We saw corners and safeties coming. So we are very rarely only rushing three. Um, and here's the thing. I thought that the secondary is pretty good. I, I think that there more times than not completions against this team have been good throws, good catches. I think we've been pretty good in the secondary. So, I'm not really getting that angst. I'm not really getting uh, the need for that question, um, especially because again, you know, we're bringing someone almost every single play. That's the glory of the three-man front. The the reason why the three-man front uh, is so challenging for a lot of teams is you never know where that fourth guy is going to come. You know, versus a traditional four-man front. If you are going to have seven backing coverage, you know exactly where those four guys are, are coming from. Granted, yes, there, there can be some stunts. Yeah, there can be some different stuff going on. You can drop a lineman and bring two. There's some different stuff you can do to spice up a four-man front. But what I like is you never know where that fourth guy is coming from. And then if you're trying to identify the fourth, oh, here comes a fifth, here comes a sixth, and then all of a sudden you're sacked anyways. So I'm not – I'm not – I do – I have – very little angst about wide receivers getting open or us not getting pressure on quarterbacks or only bringing three. I I do not get that angst at all. Uh, Ace Edwards from the Aggieville Alley Cats asks, would you rather have us keep up Adrian Martinez current rushing production or trade it for a bit more passing? He has three questions. So that's the first one. Um, No, because this is, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong for this. But we, we saw, as I predicted, that with Adrian Martinez's uh, legs coming to life versus Oklahoma, we were going to see things open up for Deuce Vaughn. Now, we saw them continue to open up 
versus Texas Tech on the ground. Good enough for Adrian Martinez to win Newcomer of the Week. Khalid Duke won Defensive Player of the Week, by the way. We then saw Deuce Vaughn open up for a 69-yard run, 170 yards rushing, I think close to 8 yards per rush. So I think when the most dangerous guy that you have is Deuce Vaughn running the ball, because credit to Big 12 defenses, or maybe it is Colin Klein uh, and some of the play calls, I think it's more defense than anything. But for the most part, Deuce Vaughn has been relatively shut down in the passing game. So I think when when you can have Adrian Martinez compliment, or compliment Deuce Vaughn, um, he does that in the running game. He does that because it opens up the reads. You have to force the defense to honor that fake. You can't sell out to stop Deuce Vaughn on every single read option. Um, I do think that this is going to, I do think his legs are going to then also kind of open up that Colin Klein pop pass, that, you know, fake quarterback run, dump it uh, up the middle, either to a tight end, to a fullback. Probably not Deuce Vaughn because, again, there's two sets of eyes, three sets of eyes going wherever Deuce Vaughn is. But I wouldn't do that. I think that when Deuce Vaughn is your number one most explosive weapon on offense, you want your quarterback to do things that are going to complement him and set him up for success. And I think that is more Adrian in the rushing attack than in the passing game. Which Big 12 team worries me the most? I mean, it, it depends on it depends on how you're phrasing this. Like, I'll, I'll say this: I am 100% worried about Farmageddon this weekend. Like, I, I'm I, I'm going to break out in nervous hives on Saturday, not getting to go to the game. Um, and it's kind of at a point where you start two and zero, and the Big 12 looks like it's going to be pure madness. Every single week becomes this massive game where if you can survive in advance, the longer you survive, the longer you advance with zero losses, with a zero in that loss column, um, j- just increases your chances to go to, go to Arlington tenfold. You know, if, if, you know, say Oklahoma were to pull off the win versus Texas, TCU beats uh, KU. K-State's at the top of the 12 going into a bye week. And TCU and Oklahoma State have to play each other during that bye week. So then all of a sudden you're going to be going to Fort Worth in really good shape to set you up that if you win that game, all of a sudden things are looking very good for you to get to Arlington. And the team that is standing in the way of you getting to your bye week 3-0 and is Iowa State. So they do worry me. They do worry me because they're going to be wearing their black jerseys. It's going to be a night game. Matt Campbell gets up for this game. Iowa State fans get up for this game. This is going to be a tough game. Now, if you're talking macro sense, um, Oklahoma State, I think, is the real deal. I think what they did versus Baylor on the road was very impressive. And we're kind of snake bitten with them. And also, I'll say this: I mean, Texas. I mean, Texas looked really good last week. They're about to get their guy back at quarterback. Um, I would really appreciate if Oklahoma 
could hand them their second loss um, because Texas is going to be spicy, and I would prefer it if uh, – well, let me rephrase this. Texas with something to play for is going to be spicy, but we know the culture inside the locker room at Texas. It, they will give up. They will give up on the season. So I, I, I think I, I am worried about the Iowa State game. That's the next one on the schedule. I think I'm going to increasingly get nervous for every individual game the longer we stay undefeated. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State, they're very salty. And Texas, a Texas team that is still playing for something when they come into Bill Snyder Family Stadium uh, later on in November, that is going to be a uh, th- that's going to be a game that worries me. Because I mean, we have a five game losing streak to Texas. That sucks. Uh, can K State continue to have uh, or afford to have quarters like the second one every game? Granted, it's been different quarters, um, but I'm going to say this: Yes, <laughs> if they're going to play like they did in the first and fourth quarter, and the third quarter. I mean, because the third quarter wasn't bad this week. If you're going to play a fur, if you're going to have two quarters where your lights out like we did in the first and the fourth quarter, in a fine a meh, an okay quarter like we did in the third, you can afford to have quarters like you did in the second. I don't want that. (laughs) None of us want that. But yeah, you 100% can afford to do that if you're going to play that well in the first and fourth quarter. So, I don't know if that's the answer you wanted, but that's the answer I'm giving. Connor Baltazor, so we went back-to-back with the Aggieville Alleycats. What's your level of frustration with the lack of rotation at wide receiver on a scale 1 to 10? 1 being not frustrated, 10 being extremely annoyed. I got 3. Look, the the only reason why I'm frustrated at all is because I think RJ Garcia, there's been so much hype in the past around him, and I want him to be very good. But I just have a hard time believing that RJ Garcia... Seth and Shane Porter, Keenan Garber, or any of the wide receivers are playing well enough in practice. They're playing just so good, so lights out, and Coach Klein is refusing to give the okay on rotating them in. I I just refuse to accept that there is this weird philosophy or something he's trying to prove that he is willingly holding guys out of getting snaps that they've earned and deserved. And when, again, it hasn't been a lot of playing time, but it's not like in those moments anyone has just, you know, when they have gotten on the field, because, again, Garcia's gotten a handful of snaps. Porter's gotten, I think, a handful of snaps. Uh, That they're just doing these things that make it so they can't be left off the field. Now, I'm, like, a little annoyed, and, again, I, I would like to maybe see uh, some action and kind of maybe just kind of assure or kind of have that theory I tested a little bit. Um, but I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm not really annoyed at all. So I, I think three is the accurate uh, one there. Uh, before we go any further, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing. Gear up for game day with Charlie Hustle's K-State Wildcat Collection. Charlie Hustle is offering the freshest officially licensed K-State gear in the game, and they want you to be 
at your Saturday best. Whether you're tailgating, staying at home, or watching the game in the Ville. Check out the entire collection at charliehustle.com or visit their Kansas City store on the Country Club Plaza. Also, some of their shirts are available at select retailers throughout Manhattan. So shop Charlie Hustle's K-State collection today. Let's get back to your guys' questions. Also, this is a special one. We've never done this. We've never done this. I'm just going to say go go to the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. That's all I'm going to say. You might find some interesting information there. Weird Rob KSU. Should we wear the white helmets for the Iowa State game? Asking for a friend who believes in something called curses. Look, (laughs) if you believe in curses, I don't. I do not believe in curses one bit. I don't believe in curses. But if you're someone who believes in curses, why would you why would you want to test it rest of the way out? I mean, I would not. I definitely would not want to test it versus Iowa State. If you're someone who believes in te- or in uh, curses, this is not this is not the game to mess around. Um, look, I'd be fine if they wore white pants, white helmets. I'd be 100% okay with it. They're not going to. I'm not going to lose any sleep if they decide to. Uh, they're not going to, but I'd be fine with it. But if you're someone who believes in curses, I would not be advocating. I'm sure your friend does not want you tweeting in and advocating for wearing them. DD underscore KSU. How quickly will these bottom feeders OU and Texas leave for the SEC? Man, how funny, how funny, how time flies. Uh, Every single Big 12 game this week, Includes at least one ranked team except for Red River. That's right. Every single game, four of the five games, four of them feature at least one ranked team except for Red River, Oklahoma, and Texas. Now, we, we've talked about this. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, conference realignment is not being driven. It's not being driven by on-field success. It's not being driven by fan support, fan passion, or anything like that. It is basically almost entirely being driven by TV sets. Ironically enough, the the only time that I don't think it was, was I think K-State taking, or not K-State, the Big 12 taking TCU. The Big 12 took TCU at the height of... Gary Patterson, the Mountain West. Um, I think he was slated to go to the TC was slated to go to the Big East before that imploded, um, and we took them. And West Virginia was pretty damn salty when we took them as well. They were pretty darn good as well. And I think that they're. I actually I know they're probably were better, smarter TV plays taking Louisville. Probably over both West Virginia and TCU would have been a better TV play. Um, we didn't do that. Um, taking BYU would have been a the first time around would have been a better TV play. Um, so, ironically enough, I think outside of the Big Twelve, every single time it's been about TV sets. You know, the the Big Ten wanted the entire state of Nebraska, this passionate fan base that they were all going to watch them. 
Which, again, that one, I mean, wasn't about recency. Well, Nebraska was actually okay when they got taken. But, you know, they wanted that rabid Nebraska bought in. Every single house in the state was going to have Big Ten Network. They added Maryland uh, for the DMV area. They added Rutgers to try to get New York City. Uh, the SEC took Mizzou to try to get Kansas City and St. Louis. Took Texas A&M to get into Texas. You know, the Pac-12, they wanted to get in Denver market. Um, so, obviously, we know it is not about on-field stuff. And Red River is probably going to blow out TV ratings every other game this week. It, it, it very well could. I could see a scenario where the Red River game gets just as many, probably as many viewers as every other Big 12 game that week combined. And OU and Texas fans are going to beat their chests and they're going to say, oh, look at all our TV rankings or ratings, all this type of shit. That's fine. Whatever. There, there's nothing Big 12 fans can do except for watch your Big 12 games. Don't watch the SEC games. Don't watch the Oklahoma and Texas games. And even if we all had a coordinated thing and did that, it's still not going to outweigh the national appeal of those two brands. It just is what it is. But here's the thing. If you look at the Big 12 standings, who is that team down in the gutter? Oh, yeah. That's Oklahoma. Who is that team that's 2-2, two and two, not ranked, not getting votes? Oh, that's Texas. These two teams currently need help if they want to be playing in Arlington. These two teams need to figure some stuff out if they want to be in the top half of the Big 12. So they are bottom feeders, and quite frankly, I am ready for them to go to the SEC. I can't wait. I'm I'm very tired of them. But good question. I do chuckle every time I open up my ESPN app, Fox app, CBS app, any app. Big 12 standings, Oklahoma at the bottom, Texas 2-2. Absolutely love it. SL Keck asks, did Kobe Savage get in touch with the Texas Tech cheerleader after the game? If people haven't seen the clip, I, I, I can't remember what play it was, but Kobe Savage uh, winked and blew a kiss at a Texas Tech cheerleader, and the cameras caught the Texas Tech cheerleader giggling, blushing, smiling. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I... I love me the K State cheerleaders. You know, if I if I could play like Kobe Savage, I'd be sliding into DMs of all the cheerleaders. But you know, that Texas Tech cheerleader looked like she she enjoyed the attention coming from Kobe Savage. Ryan Moss asked Powercat Ryan, after watching the Iowa State kicker, can we be thankful for Chris Tennant? I'm gonna say this about Chris Tennant. We we've talked about it the last couple weeks. After the kind of hot and cold start to his career last year, hot and cold start to this season in the first two games. Chris Tennant has been nails the last three games. Now, you go back and watch it. Uh, you know, one of his extra points was a knuckleball. Still not getting the elevation on some of the kicks I'd like. One of his field goals, I thought he pushed it right. But it got. But the, the thing that matters is he got it through the uprights. He got it through the uprights. And, I, and after the first two weeks, I, I called him a liability. Now, 
I, I, I hope I'm not going to regret, you know, now pumping it up. And I don't think he, because he has the leg talent. He has the leg talent. But I, I, I've been proud of the kid. I've been proud of the kid the last three weeks. He was perfect in the two-lane grand, game, granted only a couple kicks. Perfect at Oklahoma, perfect Texas Tech. And all the kicks in the Oklahoma and Texas Tech games could have been momentum changers. So, I believe in the kid. I'm I'm no longer thinking it's a 50-50 proposition when he goes up to kick the ball. Um, you know, Vegas has his only a two-point game right now. Opened up as a pick him. He very well could be the difference on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, everyone knows the college kickers memes and all that type of stuff. But I, I, I feel a lot better about Chris Tennant than I do about Iowa State's kicker right now. K-State dude underscore. I don't want to be negative, but what's with K-State's inefficiency in the red zone? I touched on this, and, and, and it's it's my fault for not getting the numbers. Uh, but I, I, I think... I think every team, because they're following themselves, their own team very closely. All fans think that their own team is really bad in the red zone. Now, the number one thing, because I think maybe it was the first year we were doing this podcast. Uh, Bill Snyder's last year, one of his last years, there were times we were getting to the red zone, we weren't scoring at all. Now, the last two games, we have had to settle for field goals a couple times. Uh but that's better than not getting any points. Now, I think the issue with the Texas Tech game was we had some miscommunication on the offensive line, we had some penalties, uh, and we just got behind schedule. I think the most important thing, once you get in that red zone, is exploiting numbers, finding where you can get ahead of the chains, get ahead of schedule, get that big chunk on first down, you know, Pick, pick up the first down, you know, or get to third and very short, very manageable, and just be assignment sound. The issue in the Texas Tech in the Texas Tech game was they just stopped being assignment sound. You know, it, it was the communications, the penalties. So as long as you can stay clean inside the red zone moving forward, um, I think we'll be all right. I think another thing is we all love the big play. Um and, and even versus Texas Tech, you know, we were very dependent on the big play. There isn't as much room to move and spread out the defense to exploit some gaps, exploit some numbers, kind of, you know, zoom past them while they're not looking, you know, when you're in the red zone. Adrian Martinez might not like it. Deuce Vaughn might not like this. And hell, even K-State fans might not like it. But I think the biggest thing I took away from the last couple weeks is once we get into the red zone, QB power is your friend. Running the quarterback is your friend. That's the way you can exploit numbers when you don't have the space. Being able to smash mouth it and maul some guys with your linemen Get a lead blocker and let Adrian Martinez's legs work for you. Because that's the thing with the quarterback run. When you're running the quarterback, that's going to give you a numbers advantage that you usually don't have. That's why running the quarterback in the red zone is, I think, going to be a super important thing for us the rest of the season. The good chef Andre Napier, would you like the experiment of Duke 
back at uh, the end. Put him up on the line. Josh Hayes takes the sauce boss roll, uh, and that shores up the pass defense. I don't think the pass defense is bad. That's that's my first thing. The second thing is I don't think they trust VJ Payne as much as they need to to make that a more occurring instance. You haven't seen that nearly as much the last couple weeks um, when when you did see that quite a bit, you know, in games two and three. Games four and five, you did not see that nearly as much. So that tells me they don't trust VJ Payne enough to be playing all those snaps back there as a starter. Now you could talk about reshuffling everything, all that type of stuff. Um, but I... I just don't think they trust him to do that. And here's the other thing. Khalid Duke is not big enough, not strong enough. He can't play opposite of Felix. He can't play that big defensive end role. Like where Pickle's playing. I mean, hell, he can't even play played as well as Matlack plays it. He cannot. I think the best role, if you are trying to get to the quarterback is having Khalid Duke out there as a stand-up and being able to disguise where he plays. Now, am I going to lose my shit if I see him with his hand in the dirt? No. But I I think that they are using him the exact best way they can in passing situations. I think a lot of folks probably disagree with me, but that's okay. We got Callie Mike for a couple questions. Is Khalid Duke back to his old self, and he can he... uh, secure an all big 12 spot he's gonna have to have a couple more games like he did uh this past week but i i think he could end up on a honorable mention or second team all big 12 yeah i think so he's i mean he's like i said he's gonna need to continue the that sort of performance but yeah he can Checking in because it's been a while. Is there an official bonehead tailgate this year? Has uh, that uh, already occurred and I missed it? There hasn't been, but everyone should go to the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. Scroll down a little bit. It might not be this year, but it might be the KU game or it might happen next year. You have to go to Twitter and see. Because there, there could be the tailgate to end all tailgates. But we're going to need a little help from you guys. Final one from Callie Mike. Are Adrian Martinez passes being dropped by our wide receivers because they're just off the mark? They have too much zip or no specific reason? Here's the thing. If you get two hands on the ball as a wide receiver, you need to catch it. That simple. Um, I'm not right down there on the field. I'm not talking to the wide receivers. I have no idea if they're dropping balls at a higher clip than rest of college football. My guess is they're not. Um, but I think on any given drop, there's there could be a million different things going on. Some of them have been frustrating, um, but I'm hoping no massive ones rest of the season. That might be asking a little much. Last handful of questions R underscore B-S-A-L. We rotated a lot on defense yesterday. It seemed more than normal. What impact do y'all think it had on our defense? 
No, I, I, I think I, I didn't think we rotated any more. But that was also, I mean, versus a Texas Tech team that was playing very fast. I think they had eighty-two snaps. You know, when you're playing that much, you're going to rotate, and we always rotate. So I, I think you always have to take into account the type of team you are playing. The next one, we gave up a lot of passing yards, but also turned up a lot. Oh, that, that was just like a follow-up. We gave up a lot of passing yards, but also forced turnovers. Again, if you, you have to look at everything. When, when you're talking about yardage, when you're talking about raw yardage, you really have to look at how many yards per play, yards per attempt. Because it really, we held Texas Tech under their average. We 100% held Texas Tech under their average for all their per play and per drive stats. So I'm not worried about the yardage we gave up at all. The Good Chef, do you think this team has played the best game of football we will see all season? No, I do not think so. I do not think so. Or I hope not. I should say I hope not. I don't think so, and I hope not. The good chef, final one from the chef. Uh, the twenty twenty two football season is almost halfway over. What has this football season meant for me personally? I don't know. It's just been a lot of fun. Um, doing the show daily has kind of brought um, brought a lot of work to the season. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. This is a fun team to watch, um, and there's still high hopes. Everything that we wanted in the off season is still right there. Still right there to be taken. So, I mean, it's just a lot of fun. College football is always the most fun time of the year for me. I'm sorry. That's probably not the greatest answer. Chauncey just yawned at me. He hated that answer. From Mike Smith, good old Mike Smith. Uh, do you have any level of concern for the offense, or would you chalk it up to the coaching staff try- still trying to figure out what uh, Adrian Martinez is comfortable with? I have zero concern uh, with the offense after the last two games. Zero concerns. Yes, the second quarter sucked. I melted down a little bit. I was not happy with the second quarter. That sucked. I'm not going to cherry coat it. The second quarter blew. It was horrible. I hated it. But I, how could you have any concerns coming out of that game? You had two guys combined for 170 yards apiece. They both had a 69-yard run. We have one of the most explosive running offenses in the entire nation. I have zero concern. Sign me up for that every single game. Uh, Mike Smith, specifically on defense, who has surprised you most this year? Austin Moore. Austin Moore. uh, Here's the thing. I was legitimately worried legitimately worried about linebacker when you know all the talk about will honus well first i I started getting worried (laughs) i started getting worried when uh what's his face left and went to ucf i'm even blanking on his name now uh and then i started getting real worried like oh we're gonna have to depend on will honus well we haven't even seen will honus austin moore the machine uh, has to be the answer. If anyone does, if anyone is more pleasantly surprised by anyone else than Austin Moore, I want to know who. Because he's been very good, very solid, and I thought he was going to be a liability. Mike Smith, how concerned are you with the lack of depth on offensive line, given how banged up they are at the position? 
I'm worried, but I think things are going to get better. It sounds like KT Levinson will be ready for Iowa State. I'm getting far more comfortable with Dawson Delforge. Sounds like Andrew Linegang, I was worried about him. Um, and some of the you know worst-case scenario thoughts about him, it sounds like he should be back this season. So I'm worried, but I'm getting less worried. Final three questions from Cameron Hager, Mr. Cam Hager. Uh and then we'll, we'll call it a day, and we'll, we'll be talking to Iowa State tomorrow. Uh, with this week's outcome from OU Tulane in Mizzou, does that change how you feel about us at all? No, I, it doesn't. I think Oklahoma is way better than they showed versus to, uh, than what they showed versus TCU. I, I, I still think they're a solid team. Going into Norman, uh, no matter how good or bad Oklahoma is, going into that atmosphere and getting that win was awesome. Uh, Mizzou, <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think that they're still going to suck. I think Georgia was kind of just sleepwalking. And Tulane, hey, I've already come around to Tulane being gritty. Now, I don't know if they're going to make it to the American Championship game now that they're down to their third quarterback. Uh, but they're talented. They're gritty. Um, so n- none of those change my opinion on K-State. And I'm not a big, you know, you know, taking what other teams do, like, you know, transitory scoring, all this type of stuff. I I'm not I'm not big on all that except for to get some jokes off on Twitter. Um but I'm never going to gravely change my opinion on K-State based on others playing a game. Uh he also asked <laughs> does KSU beat Georgia on a neutral site game? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I just said, you know, transitory property, all that type of stuff. Missouri, keeping it close. Us blowing out Missouri. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? I would love to find out. If we find out, some really good stuff happened this year. Um, have I watched the new Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix? I have not. I am not interested in murders or anything like that. Although, I hear a lot of folks like it. A lot of folks interested in it. So, I have not watched that series. Probably will not. And the final one we're end, we'll end on this is KU a legit Big 12 championship contender. I mean, here's the thing. They are 2-0 and in the Big 12. I think they have played two of, if not the two worst Big 12 teams in the conference. I think, I think that they very well could be the Vegas underdogs for every single game rest of their season. But here's the thing. Um... Until a team gets their first loss, then yes, they are a legitimate contender. Until they get their second loss, they are a quote-unquote contender. And until you get your third loss, you're at least still in the hunt. So KU 2-0 hanging out at the top of the Big 12 with us, yeah, they're a legitimate contender. Um, Would I pick it? No. Gun to my head, I still think they're probably 6-6 this season. Um... But I mean, as I I respect you know the turnaround Lance Leipold had I, again he he's had of those wins if you go back and look at the wins what three of them arguably should have gone the other way the Duke game could have gone the other way you know they very well could be one and four two and three right now but they're not. They found a way to win. So until they get that first loss, I will call them a legitimate Big 12 contender. 
Why not? We'll see what happens. All right, that's all we have. Again, if you're interested in a massive sponsored Bosco's Boys tailgate, go to the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. You'll find what you need to do to help make that happen. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. The next time you're in Manhattan, go straight to the brewery and tap room for the freshest, most delicious beer in the entire state and region. Talk to your liquor store. Tell them you want Manhattan Brewing Company in your craft beer section. And check out our friends, Shop Charlie Hustle, charliehustle.com. Charliehustle.com, officially licensed K-State gear, Arrowhead collection for you Chiefs fans, some great Kansas City landmark stuff. Check out their store on the plaza as well. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, my co-host, we love you guys. Corn down and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.